Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Well, uh, tonight we are in our uh, series on the book of Revelation. This is uh, session 69 entitled, A War That Starts in Heaven. And I'll just give you a a little tip off. Uh, The next session we're going to do is how that war transfers to the earth. And that'll be uh, the subject matter of our next session. (coughs) But tonight, (coughs) we're going to talk about a really unusual idea. Uh, if you if you take this passage, or not just this passage, but all the passages that related to it, if you take it literally and seriously, this is a uh, an odd subject that's just very much outside of our normal framework of uh, of thought process. And so, what I want us to do tonight is I want us to talk about a war that is going to take place in the heavenlies, and it's a future war and it's a real war. With that, I'll jump into uh, the kind of opening passage here. Revelation 12, 7 through 9, if you guys want to read this uh, with me. For those of you who are joining us online, the notes are available uh, online if you'd like to check those out. It's uh, on our uh, website, prayerroomdfw.com, under the resource tab, recent teachings, and you can get the notes for tonight's session. So Revelation 12, 7 through 9, if you guys want to read along with me here in the notes. Then war broke out in heaven. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, I want to make this as real as we can tonight while we're talking about a a place far, far away. We are talking about a real place far, far away. Heaven is an actual place. First thing I want to note is this is a new war. Look at that. Then war broke out in heaven. In order to break out, it means it wasn't happening five minutes ago. So a war breaks out in heaven. Just imagine the... The, the opening moment of a war, like on earth. Imagine what you know that looks like when two armies face off. The opening moment when war breaks out. Heaven is going to have a war break out. This is a, uh, a future reality. Next, it breaks out in heaven. I don't want us to think uh, of this as breaks out in the not real. You've got earth and real, and then you've got everything else which is not real. Incorrect. Earth is real, so are the galaxies and the universe, so is heaven. It's a very real place with actual geography, actual texture. We've got uh, dimensions of heaven. We've got a lot of information that we'll cover in some later sessions and some that we've already covered a a little bit in, in previous. But here's my point. We're talking about an actual war happening in an actual place. Now that's an idea we're familiar with when we're talking about planet Earth, and it's something that we've studied in our history books. You know, it, it's something that we're, we're familiar with a little bit in our hour, but far more familiar with in human history. When we study, you know, history, all the different wars that have helped form uh, the way that life is on the Earth. I want to tell you, this war 
will greatly form how life is on the earth. It will greatly form. That's what wars and outcomes of wars do. This one uh, will be incredible. This will have incredible impact is what I mean. The war is happening in heaven. Now, really my main reason for doing a whole session on this tonight, I want you to try to engage your you know, imagination. I want you to try to get your spirit connected to these ideas because they're not false. They're true. And just because we're unfamiliar with them and we've never thought about what it looks like when there's a war happening in heaven, I want to tell you there is going to be a war happening in heaven. And so just like the rest of Revelation, when we read it and we're trying to imagine what's that going to look like and be like, we want to imagine a war breaking out in heaven because that's what's going to happen. This raises some serious questions. I mean, when you start to get down to it, if you don't just read over it, because it's really easy to read, then war broke out in heaven, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But if you actually take to heart a war with war going on, breaking out in the city of heaven, this causes all sorts of questions. Can an angel kill a demon? Can a demon kill an angel? I mean, why have war if there's no consequences? What's happening here? If so, what does death for an angel mean? If an angel dies, what happens to it? If a demon dies, what happens to it? If a demon or an angel can't die, what happens when it's struck? I mean, these are real questions. We, I mean, these are interesting conversations to start to have with the Lord and start to dialogue about through the word of God and try to get some answers to? Do they simply weaken one another's influence or authority? Is that, is that all that's happening? So an angel standing next to a demon and the demon's like, you're bad. And the, the angel's like, no, you're bad. And whichever one says it louder, like the one that said it softer loses some authority. I mean, we need to be thinking about what war means because it means what we think it means. It just is so unfathomable to imagine a big angel and a big demon fighting and something happening. What happens? What sort of weaponry is used? Wars are fought with weapons. So when a big angel and a big demon, or a little angel and a little demon, fight each other in war, what are they doing? What is happening? What impact does that weaponry make on an angelic being? So we've got plenty of passages that talk about angels holding swords. We've got examples of that. Well, you don't hold a sword because it's pretty. You hold a sword so you can knife somebody. You can cut them down. So what happens when an angel, let's just go with the, with the picture we would prefer to think of. Let, what happens when an angel with a big sword cuts a demon with that sword, what happens to the demon? Owie, quit it, leave me alone, you're mean. I promise you it's more than that. Amen, angels and demons at war fighting with weapons that can kill. That's what's happening in heaven. A war in heaven. So I just want us kind of wrapping our head around that because that's an idea that probably we haven't given much thought to, but I mean, it's clear as day right there, Revelation 12, 
a war broke out in heaven. The consequences of this war. Why fight a war that doesn't have any consequences? All war has consequences, all of it, every time. And we need to be sure that this fighting will also have consequences. So there's, there's no reason to go to battle if nothing can be gained and nothing can be lost. So these angels and demons are fighting for something. What are they fighting for? What does the devil hope to gain in this war? What are the angels hoping to gain in this war? What could heaven lose in this war? Now, we do know the outcome, but, I mean, for the sake of the storyline of what war is and why war is, what would happen in this war if Satan won it? It's a war. They're, they're fighting. What would happen? What starts this specific conflict? Why does this war happen at this time described in Revelation chapter 12 in the context of, of this passage? Why? I just want us to think about this for a second. It says in the passage that we just read that there's an angelic army led by Michael. So I want you to do your best to imagine Michael the archangel. I know, I mean, doubt many of you have seen him. If you have, please come to me after and tell me all about it. But I'm just guessing you probably haven't seen Michael. But just imagine this awesome warrior angel, this huge angel, Michael. And he has got an army of warrior angels. It's an army. It's not just him and some of his buddies. They were playing poker. Now they're fighting demons. It's an army. It's a warrior army of, of angels. And they are ready to go to battle. And they're thinking, we're an army. Let's go do army stuff. Let's fight the bad guys and win. That's what they're thinking when they march into war. But similarly, there's an opposing army because... What kind of war is it when it's just one-sided? That's just a takeover. It's not a takeover. It's a war broke out in heaven. Satan has an army. He has an army of warriors. And I promise you, they weren't playing poker a minute ago. They are ready for battle. They've been strategizing. They've been thinking about this. <clears throat> and you've got a, a demonic army led by Satan himself that's going to go to war against Michael. Hey, just as a, as a little put things into um, perspective, when, when there's a war between heaven and hell, it's not Satan against God. It's Satan against Michael. I mean, there is no war of Satan against God. There, that doesn't, there is no fight there. It's Satan against Michael. We need to recognize that Satan was created like Michael was created. Satan is not like all-knowing, you know, opposite of God, like just a little lower than God. Satan, when it's time for Satan to fight to try to take over heaven, he's trying to go through Michael because Michael's the guy that's, and he loses to Michael. So let's just kind of get the perspective in mind here about where Satan, you know, fits in all this. Two armies opposing each other in real battle conflict with real consequences, with real armament, with real weaponry, with real casualties. I don't, you can tell I don't have it all figured out here. What happens when an angel is struck by a demon with a giant sword? Does that angel fall down and cry? I, I don't know the answers to these things. But 
it's more than they just sit there and call each other names and, and like whichever one has the best cut down, the other one disappears and poof. It just, it's not like that. There's a war happening. Okay? All right, well, <clears throat> Satan is dislodged from the heavenly realms. First line I want us to look at, Revelation 12, 8, and we already read this, but just a reminder. But he was not strong enough. I want us to think about that for a minute. Talking about Satan, he was not strong enough. Question is, what if he would have been strong enough? That's, I mean, that's an interesting phrase. Why even say it? Why even bring up he was not strong enough? I mean, it's, it's a statement about his strength. It's a statement, actually, how strong is he? Well, he's pretty strong. I mean, he's, he's strong enough to have the fight. I mean, who else fights Satan or who else uh, rather fights Michael and his armies? Who's even in the caliber in the, in the other realms or you know, anywhere in heaven or on earth to even have a war against Michael the archangel? Satan is pretty strong. He's not strong enough to win, but he's strong enough to fight it. It's pretty intense. He's strong. Next, this is Revelation 12, 12. We'll cover this a little bit more in this session and also a little bit in the next one. But it says this, after he's not strong enough, he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Satan is furious that he loses this war in heaven. I mean, he is furious. I don't really like the idea of Satan when he's in a good mood, but I sure as heck don't like him when he's furious because he just lost the fight of his life. I mean, the worst loss of his career, okay? And he's like, okay, I am so peeved right now, so ticked. Whatever he goes and does next is going to be a real problem for whoever's there. Because he's furious. And he just lost the war in heaven. And he leaves that fight mad. That's a, a very important detail. <clears throat> Because we're told he comes to the planet after he loses the fight in heaven and he's all mad and huffy. He comes to earth extremely irritated. I mean, this is a dog that got its you know, tail stuck in the door. And it is angry. This, this foe is coming to vent the fullness of his fury and rage on the earth. Man, seems like it would have been better if he had just stayed in heaven. This seems like a really bad outcome for us. Well, we're actually given warning. You're right, duck. Revelation 12, 12 says, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. It's right after he loses the fight in heaven. It's right after... He's, he's filled with fury. The very next thing that we're told is, guys down on earth, buckle up. Woe to you, he's coming. Now this is a warning given to the church. We need to recognize this. The amount of, of rage that he's going to come. Because yes, the warning's for the lost, but what lost people in large are reading the Bible to even read Revelation 12.12? I mean, there's not millions and millions of lost people reading Revelation 12.12. 12. 
So who is Revelation 12, 12 written to? Those that will read it, the, the believing community, the church. So the warning is primarily for the church. Woe to you, because the devil, who just lost the fight of his life, he's totally filled with fury. He's come down to the earth. Woe to you. Oh, my gosh, that's intense. Well, I just gave it away, but Satan is cast down to the earth. That's what happens. When he loses the battle in heaven, you just think about when any army in, in times past has lost their territory. Well, they're no longer welcome there. <laughs> they got to go on. Well, that's what happens. He loses his place, his position, his connection to heaven. And after that, he's cast to the earth. I'll give you three verses here that all say more or less the same thing. Revelation 12, 9, 12, 10, and 12, 12. The great dragon was hurled down. So it's not even that he lost and gracefully got to walk away and kind of lick his wounds. He's hurled down. What does it look like when an angry dragon is hurled? I just imagine that is a picture that one of your kids needs to draw. That's, that's one we need to see, guys. We need to see that one soon. I want to see the devil hurled out of heaven to earth, okay? Because that is a picture and a half. He's hurled to the earth. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Revelation 12.10. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Revelation 12.12. 12. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. So there's three verses that talk about Satan losing his place in the heavenly realms and thrown to the earth. Now I want to change gears a little bit, but I'm going to read those same two verses again, or two of the three that we just read. I want to talk about it now. I want to talk about what's it like when the one who is called the accuser of the brethren, and he's called the deceiver, what's it like when he's no longer got a place in the heavenly realms? What's it like when he's bound to the earth? That's a big piece of the why the woe to you thing is so real. Because the accuser and the deceiver now has no place else to be but planet E. Down here, accusing and deceiving. He is now on the earth full time, filled with fury, raging with deception and accusation on the earth. Oh my gosh, that's so intense. All right, well, let's look at this. A third of the stars are dislodged. Now, we've spent some time in former sessions talking about the correlation between stars, as in actual stars, and angels and even demons. There's a lot that we've already covered on that. I'm not going to uh, you know, rehash that right now. What I am going to do is read Revelation 12:4 because in the context of this war, his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Same kind of language as the hurled to the earth. The same thing is occurring. A hurling, a flinging of these, uh, of these demons to the earth. A third of them. There is now a, an impact on the heavenly war. Here's what happens. If you go back and you read Revelation 12, and I would encourage you after tonight's session, because I bet you we're touching on four or five or ten ideas that you've probably not given a whole lot of thought to before. 
And so I would imagine you going, man, I need to understand Revelation 12 a little bit. It's the reason we're really going to spend two weeks on it. We're doing tonight, and then next week we're going to cover a bunch of the stuff we don't cover tonight. And so that's my little uh, save myself later moment for Q&A when you ask me questions that I'm going to defer to next week because we'll cover it then. But, uh, but I want to encourage you, go read Revelation 12 and start to get the storyline here because this is a very interesting uh, story talking about a war in heaven. Well, what's the result? The result of these, <coughs> of Michael <coughs> and his angels prevailing over Satan and his angels is that a third of the stars are dislodged from the heavenlies and where are they flung to? They're flung to the earth, the impact of this war is that demons are flung to earth. Demons, high-ranking, demonic, you know, angelic beings are flung to the earth. They lose their position in the heavenlies, and they are tossed to the earth. When demons are cast down, this will cause many new problems, if you can imagine. <clears throat> He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. When Satan and his angels with him are hurled to the earth, there are going to be problems on earth, increase of problems. Now, I want to cover some other dynamics here that are really all part of the same war. We need to start thinking honestly as the end time drama, one more way to approach the end time drama is to think of it from this viewpoint. Heaven and hell are trying to set up on the earth. Heaven and hell are both trying to establish the government of their kingdom and the expression of their kingdom on the earth. Heaven and hell are fighting a war over earth. Well, the reason that I bring that up is because you can see some interesting reaches into the natural realm from both hell and heaven in the book of Revelation onto the earth. Reaches from heaven to establish heaven on the earth. Reaches from hell to establish hell on the earth. It's all part of the same war. It's all part of the same fight, all part of the same uh, conflict. It's a climax at the end of the age. The reason that the church was given the book of Revelation, don't forget this, we're told in Revelation 1.1 is so that the church might know what must soon take place. The book of Revelation is mostly a future history lesson. It is, a, it is a detailed prophecy about the future. That's what Revelation is. It is mostly a detailed prophecy about what the future holds. And remember, Revelation 1.1, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, given so that the church could know what would happen at the end of the age so that the church could prepare, so that the church could be ready for and process and, and all that. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the next two sections, and I'll go quick, talking about these reaches, first from hell, then reaches from heaven onto planet earth to try to set up heaven and hell on the earth, okay? Because it's all part of the same war. All right, first of all, letter A on page four, Satan's throne is located on the earth. Now, we've read that before when we were going through the, the seven uh, letters to the seven churches, but I gave you there, Revelation 2, 12 through 13, 
to the angel of the church of Pergamon write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. I just want to say it this way. The fact of Satan having a throne on the earth is going to be a much more real deal when Satan is here to sit on it. I mean, when he is here in his fullness to sit on it, that is going to be a very real deal. Now, just as a little, you know, uh, a picture, right now Jerusalem is called the throne of God, but Jesus isn't here to sit on it. When Jesus comes and sits on the throne in Jerusalem, it will greatly change the storyline. So while, yes, Jerusalem, it's the footstool of God, it's the place of uh, Jesus' eternal throne and leadership, Jesus doesn't have a tuchus on that seat in Jerusalem right now. Nor does Satan have his tuchus on the seat on this throne that's in Pergamum at the moment. But a time is coming when that's going to be a much more real deal. Okay, next. Another reach from hell to establish hell on earth. I, I want to I use that term. Hell on earth. Heaven on earth. For real, not like you had a good day. It's heaven on earth. You know, Pazuki. It's really close, but it's not heaven on earth, okay? I want you to think about really hell on earth and really heaven on earth because that's what we're talking about here. All right, back to uh, the storyline here. Other dynamics of hell on earth, part B. The Antichrist ruling the globe. Evil has always had its place, but never have we seen such a thing before as the Antichrist ruling the nations. Evil has always had a place in the earth, but nothing like Mr. Evil ruling the planet. I mean, that is hell on earth. That is a reach straight out of hell on the earth. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, it says. Next, the abyss will be opened up. We already covered that in Revelation chapter 9. I just want us to understand it now from a different perspective. We're talking about hell actually opening its mouth on the planet and stuff out of hell climbing out of it onto the planet and the exposure of the atmosphere of hell now having access to the air on the earth. Hell on earth. We're talking about hell oozing out of hell onto the earth and changing the, the physical atmosphere changing the spiritual atmosphere, changing things on the earth. When hell opens up on earth, you're talking about a specific reach out of hell to establish hell on the physical earth. I gave you the verse there. Satan now confined to the earth. It's never been before. And we're, I'll just, I want everybody to hear me because I know I'm going to get questions about this during the Q&A. Uh, we will cover this component next week in great detail. But never before has Satan been bound only to planet Earth. That's never happened before. That will be a significant point that we'll cover next week. I'll give you eight or ten verses on it. But that's never happened before. So right now, Satan has access to heaven. He's got access to Earth. He's got access to the heavenly realms. But a time is coming where we just read about it, where Satan no longer has access to any of that. He is bound to the Earth. Well, we've never seen that before. That's never happened before. So what's it like when Satan has no place else to go and he's filled with fury, the great dragon hurled down? Well, also, let's not forget the transformation that's happening where the culture of hell is, is uh, increasing in the earth. Another way you could say it is Matthew 24, 12 through 13, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Why do I bring this verse up? 
Because this verse is talking about the culture of hell. The increase of wickedness rising to such a point in the earth that the love of most people starts growing cold. That means the culture of hell is impacting the earth. I just want us to see, we're talking about entering into a really interesting time where hell is fighting for and advancing, making advancements in establishing hell on earth. It's really a problem. Well, we've got good news. We know who wins the war, but it won't be without a fight. That's part of what I want us to see too. There is a real fight that is going to occur. This is not just a gimme. Those that say, well, we know God wins in the end. That's all that matters. Have you read Revelation chapter 12? It is not all that matters. There's a lot more going on there. I mean, if you can just blink through Revelation 12 and get you know, through it just on the other side, and all you had to do was take one deep breath, then okay, I guess it's fine. God wins at the end. Why do we have the story if we don't need the story? Why are we warned about the pain and the war and the downfall? Why are we warned that Satan is, in fact, very powerful, just not powerful enough? Why are we warned he's not powerful enough to take over heaven, so his response is to take over earth? Why are we warned about these things? Because we're going to live through them, my friends. These are very important details. All right, well, now let's flip the story. The coming dynamics of heaven on earth. We just talked about hell on earth. Sure, I'm glad we're done with that section. Of course, now you guys have to break up into discussion groups and talk about it. But I'm, I'm grateful now that we get to move on. What about heaven on earth? Well, the king of heaven. There is a king in heaven. The king of heaven is coming to the planet to rule it. That is a significant reach from heaven to establish the culture and the kingdom of heaven on the earth. That's coming. That's going to happen. Heaven on earth through the leadership of the king of heaven. He's coming. He gave you a verse there. The new Jerusalem descends. It actually descends twice. First time for the thousand years, it descends to very close. And I just want to tell you, we have never experienced anything like physical heaven being close to the earth even to the point where it's casting a shadow over much of the earth. I mean, that's, we've never seen anything like that. But after that, it actually comes and rests on the earth forever. So the idea of heaven on earth, for real, literally in the most literal term of what the word literal means, heaven, a giant diamond box, is going to come and physically be on earth. Heaven on earth. Not just heaven culture in the earth, heaven physically on the planet. I mean, that is pretty stinking awesome. And that everything until that point is leading up to that point. It's part of the war. The war is to get heaven on earth. Next, the father abiding with man. You want to talk about heaven on earth? I mean, the father abiding with man on the planet forever is even cooler than the city of heaven being on the earth forever. The Father, the Father being on the earth forever is heaven invading earth. This war that breaks out in the heavenlies, this war that breaks out in heaven specifically in Revelation chapter 12 that we read, this war is all about this storyline. Heaven and earth fighting for prominence, fighting for, uh, for the place on the earth. The Father coming to abide. And then when the Father comes, 
you know every good thing comes with him. Heaven comes with him. The Garden of Eden is restored on the earth as the Father comes. It's, it's a little bit broader than that, but we'll, get, we'll go with that. Not surprisingly, wherever the Father goes, the glory comes with him. The Garden of Eden realities. Give you the verses there, Revelation 22, 1 through 2. The Garden of Eden realities, many of them, are reestablished on the earth. They're put back into place on the earth for the first time on the earth since the Garden of Eden in Genesis. I mean, that's heaven on earth. You've got two opposing sides that are going to fight with all of their might. We are seeing in Revelation chapter 12 a significant piece of the war that breaks out at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period that causes Satan to be cast out of heaven, to no longer have access to God, no longer have access to the heavenly realms. He's flung to the earth. He's banished to the earth. He's stuck on the earth. He's on the earth. And it's the Great Tribulation. And he is ticked. And he is going to do everything a ticked demon, you know, devil does. He is going to wage war on the earth. And that's where we're going to cover in the next section, uh, session. All right. So this time, let's break up into groups. Uh, look how many groups we got tonight. Four groups of seven or eight. Okay. And who are our group leaders tonight? All right. Uh, Luke, can I get you to move over this way over here? Caitlin, you're good. Uh, Andy, Luke, can I get you over here? You good with that? All right, great. So get into groups of seven or eight. Break up into, you know, moving chairs around or whatever. Have a good conversation. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll group back together later for Q&A. All right, let's go ahead and transition now into our time of uh, group questioning. All right, okay, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, jump into our group questions. Uh, Annie, why don't we start with you guys? Yeah, great question. I have a feeling all of your questions are going to be the exact same problem, and that is all content we're going to cover next week. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, um, yes, uh, the, the question was in relationship to uh, the Job passage where Satan is obviously allowed access to the courts of heaven, um, and uh, but that's pre-cross, that's pre-Jesus. Um, what what? Uh, impact occurred with the uh, the cross. A short answer on that one because we're not going to cover that specifically nuanced question, uh, but I am going to probably, all the questions related to things out of Isaiah 34, out of Luke chapter 10, out of a couple other passages, uh, I'm going to defer till next week because that's what we're going to cover. Um, but, uh, but for that particular one, um, the cross uh, significantly limited not necessarily Satan's access in the heavenly realms, but his authority on the earth. Uh, he's still called the God of this age. He's still called the Prince of this earth. But 
up until that point, his power was unchecked by the Holy Spirit being in all peoples. You know, it was unchecked by by the forgiveness factor of of uh, the of Jesus coming into the life of an individual and redeeming them and allowing them to now you know pursue righteousness with the indwelling Holy Spirit. So a lot changed in the spiritual fight, though not necessarily in his access related to the heavenly realms. Uh, it's a great question. Great question. Um, okay, Caitlin. Okay, so uh, the question, I think, and correct me if I've got it wrong or slightly wrong. Uh, I think the question is, in relationship to the war that's occurring where the angels are conquering, if you will, Satan in heaven. Now you're looking at Revelation 12, verse 11. It says, they overcame, now it's talking about the believers. They overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and uh, the word of their testimony. How does that relate to that war? Um, is that more or less the question? Yeah, so the, the wars, um, next week we're going to cover what, what the war looks like on the earth. We, we started with the war in heaven. Next week we're going to cover what the war looks like on earth. And so this is actually going to be a bigger piece of that uh, conversation. But the, the, the overall war is you can't have a war in heaven and it not impact earth, nor can you have a war on earth where there are real points of righteousness or unrighteousness that are winning, not impact the heavenly realms. So the two things are, are, are connected. So what's happening is the, uh, Satan is thrown out of heaven, which then causes a giant heaping problem for the saints on the earth. Because once Satan and those angels are thrown to the earth, the level of intensity increases a bajillion fold, and now the church has to respond, and what's going to be a big point of all that is all the martyrdom, and the overcoming of the saints on the earth is actually forced, that, well, the overcoming is a choice, the problems that they have to overcome is actually forced because the war got moved out of heaven onto the planet, and now the saints have got to respond uh, to that, and so uh, the, the overcoming is actually the the brightness of righteousness in that hour, it's, it's the greatest victory. It's one of the ways that the Lord uses the worst possible thing imaginable in order to accomplish the greatest uh, thing imaginable, and that is the greatest glory. It's actually going back to the Revelation 6 uh, passage related to the martyrs uh, in seal 5, talking about the martyrs going, how long, how long? Well, a big piece of the how long is actually in relationship to what happens when uh, the uh, the demons in the in the heavenly realms are tossed to the earth and now increase the persecution, and that that increased persecution equals a lot of increased martyrdom as well. So the two things are not directly related, and it, it's not like the angels in heaven won, so now the saints on the earth win. Because the way that the saints on the earth win is by dying and not giving up. I mean, that's the biggest prevailing, at least in that verse is actually celebrating the fact that they were willing to stand up against the demonic onslaught and not back down, even though it cost them their life. And so, uh, so the way that we win is by holding true, not by not dying. Uh, and so, uh, so anyway, so those are the, the ideas are related, but it's not like uh, they won in heaven, so they win on earth. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's uh, more complicated. Um, okay, Luke. 
Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the question is, uh, am I suggesting that they are fighting this war in heaven? Yes. As opposed to in the heavenly realms, in the second heavens kind of a concept. Yeah, I'm suggesting that they're fighting it in heaven. Brings the question, so then what's their place in heaven? It's okay, it's okay. Well, I'll just say it this way. What we're going to cover next week is in relationship to Satan's access to heaven all the way down as he keeps getting downgraded over time, all the way down to him banished entirely to the earth. And that there's phases and there's verses that support those phases. And so we'll, we'll cover uh, that in, in the next uh, session, and hopefully that'll help at least a little bit. Um, but, uh, but the, you know, the biggest point that we just want to recognize is um, in the Job passage, just as a little... And, and if you guys want some, some verses to chew on, I would encourage you. It would actually be... It would make our time next week a lot better if you go chew on these verses. Go chew on, uh, uh, on the Job passage. I think it's in Job 1. Uh, where it's talking about Satan, not just Satan having a conversation with God, but being brought to the throne room to have a dialogue where it's not like he walks in there and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's Satan, what's he doing here? I mean, it's like he's got a place to be there, where he's got place, he was summoned to be there. Furthermore, it says that he was, where was he right before that? He was roaming throughout the earth, it says in the same verse. Okay, so that's one passage you want to go look at. Another one you want to go look at is the Isaiah chapter 14 passage, the fall of the O morning star, talking about Lucifer's fall. Okay, and then you also want to go look at uh, where Jesus says in Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus, while during his earthly ministry, he describes having past tense seen Satan fall like a star. And so that you want to go reference those verses and put those details together. Uh, but, but relationship to the, um, the Job account, um, it's, it's after the initial battle. He's now, Satan is identified as the accuser. That's what he's doing. He's, he's there accusing the brethren day and night. I mean, he's there in, in heaven. He's able to have access and accuse even before the father. And that's, uh, that's after his identification as the accuser. So he's already done bad. There's already been rebellion. There's already been war. And yet he's got a place right there. I mean, he has access to it. What we see in Revelation chapter 12 is no longer does he have that access or authority. So uh, we'll more on that next week. Yes? Okay, I defer. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
Duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so Isaiah 34, starting with, you're saying verse 4, or should I start in verse... Okay, so all the stars of the heavens will be dissolved, and the sky rolled up like a scroll, and the starry hosts will fall, all, all the starry hosts will fall, like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs uh, from the fig tree. Okay. So then you're relating that back to the sixth seal in Revelation uh, chapter 6 where we read, The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and land was removed from its place. And it says the stars there somewhere. Where's the stars? Is it right before that? Uh, In Revelation 6, 13. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop like a fig tree. Okay, um, so uh, as when we covered Revelation um, chapter six and we were going through the seals, okay, there's there's an interest. We we covered this before, but but I'll I'll do the the recapping. So uh, the word aster in the New Testament in in uh, in the Greek refers to things heavenly bodies, things that are out there. Okay, so an aster could be a star, an aster could be a meteorite, an aster could be a rock floating around in space because of the way that the interpretation of the thought process of what's up there, it was that's all a bunch of asters, stars. Okay, so the, the concept that there was a differentiation in, in this language here and in, in Greek thought in that uh, time frame, the thought process that it's stuff from up is falling to the earth. And the thought process was they're stars. They didn't have any other words for it. They called them stars. They call them asters, okay? So uh, in the, the, the passage here, it says the sky receded and... Oh, wait, no, no. Let's go back to 13. I'm in Revelation 6, verse 13. And worship leader, you can come on up. Uh, Revelation 6, verse 13, it says, uh, And the stars in the sky fell to the earth. Uh, the the right thought process, because we also told then the, the sky is rolled up like a scroll, this passage, Revelation chapter 6, is absolutely quoting Jer- uh, Isaiah chapter 34, the passage that we were just reading a minute ago. But it says in Isaiah chapter 34 that all of the starry hosts fell. All, L A L L, all of the starry hosts fell. So this is now describing, again, it's that same concept that whatever is that's going on here is describing all of, of some category, all of something is now falling to the earth, I'm thinking that that's referring to physical objects that are coming down to the earth that are in the timing and relationship to the scroll being rolled back, as opposed to the stars that are being flung out of the sky in Revelation chapter 12, because in Revelation chapter 12, those stars are interpreted just a few verses later as the angels that are being flung to the earth along with Satan that just lost the battle. So we're in, in Revelation chapter 6, we're not specifically told, we're not, the, the, the asters are not interpreted, they're just left as asters. They're just, we're just told that they're stars. In Revelation chapter 12, we are told what those stars are, that they're demons that are coming to earth with Satan. And so... Uh, so I, I don't think that those are the same event. I think those are two different uh, groups of stars. And uh, just as a, uh, one of the reasons, and I'm so grateful to be able to do this kind of depth of study on the book of Revelation, is to see 
How many times we see stars in the book of Revelation and what do they mean? How many times do we see? I, I've just added a session today. We're going to do one on the sea. There's, there's about 18 references in Revelation to the sea. And it's all meaning different things at different times. And we're going to look at that. We'll spend a session on that. And so it's important because not every time that you see a word does it necessarily mean the exact thing that it means the other times that it says that exact word in the book of Revelation, you got to look at it and see the, the context of it. And so uh, related to stars in the book of Revelation, there's about eight different, seven, call it seven, there's about seven different categories of stars in the book of Revelation. And again, we covered that in a previous session, but I think great question. Uh, bottom line, I think there are two different groups of what are being referred to as stars and not the same group that's that's happening uh uh, in the Revelation chapter 12 account as what's happening in Revelation chapter 6. Good question. Okay. Lord help me. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.